Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. Amen. Yep, second time this morning, and I still feel like we just entered into the throne room of God, and I just want to keep worshiping, but <laughs> it's good. Youth, if you want to hold tight for just a second here, um, we... Uh, I went to the end of my sermon. We could just leave. We could... <laughs> just kidding. But uh, yeah, hold tight for just a moment. Uh, good morning again. Uh, I'm Pastor Daniel. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm, I'm the associate slash worship slash interim slash et cetera pastor. I'm going to put that on a business card. That's a good... <laughs> I actually used to work at a summer camp, and there was a lady there who did so much stuff, we called her Slash, because uh, her job was Slash, Slash, Slash. I don't even know her real name. Uh, <laughs> but uh, happy Father's Day again to everyone. Uh, like I said, dad jokes are prevalent, and I'm a dad, so I don't have to apologize, but, you know... Things like, what did the ocean say to the beach? Nothing, it just waved. <laughs> Come on. Why can't a nose be 12 inches long? Because then it would be a foot. Okay, things like this. Okay, this didn't go over well for a service, and I'm doing it anyway. That's how much I love this joke, okay? If you don't get it, you'll have to ask somebody later, okay? But not everyone gets it. Bear goes to a restaurant. Walks in, sits down, the waiter comes up, says, what can I get you? And the bear says, I'll have a grilled cheese. And the waiter's like, what's with the long pause? And he goes, I'm a bear. <laughs> Ask your friends if you don't get that. <laughs> what do mermaids wash their fins with? Tide. This, this, was a new fa this is a new favorite of mine. I just learned this one. What kind of car does an egg drive? A Yolkswagen. <laughs> Two people. All right. I was texted one during service, I think. Uh, oh, and I already forgot the punchline. Hang on. Horse walks into a bar. <laughs> Some of you already know this one. Horse walks into a bar, and the bartender says, why the long face? Thank you, Matt. <laughs> and then I can't help but tell, this is my kid's favorite, is what's red and bad for your teeth? <laughs> Some of you were in first service. <laughs> it's a brick, for those who didn't hear the, the punchline. And then just to bring it all back around, what airlines did Jesus and Mary take? Virgin. All right, so now we're back in the Bible. Again, I would apologize for the bad jokes. I mean, the dad jokes, but uh, I'm a dad, so I don't have to. And I think I've made the youth suffer enough. So uh, if you're in grades 6 through 12, uh, if you want to um, head out and head up, uh, Matt and Julie are on their way as well. You guys can go hang out with your peers so you don't have to suffer through me anymore. Not one of them turned around and was like... <laughs> Not acknowledging that guy. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to the fathers. Happy Father's Day to the fathers watching online. Happy Father's Day to the father figures out there 
who may not have their own sons or daughters, and I don't say that to be all-inclusive. I truly mean that you do not have to be blood to be family. Okay, so happy Father's Day. Don't wait to eat your cookie. Jesus could be back any moment, okay? <laughs> when Stevie was working on the worship songs, uh, I asked her to lead, and she said, well, is there anything in particular you want? I said, just play Good, Good Father five times. <laughs> Some of you don't know that song. Okay, <laughs> that was a joke because we only do four songs for worship, so... Woof, rough crowd, all right. Again, it's like, I don't know what it is about being a dad, but people don't laugh at your jokes and you're like, what? I don't care. <laughs> we say happy Father's Day, but what is a father? If you venture outside or, or dare to go online, which I don't recommend, uh, you might find a lot of confusion about what a father is or what a man is uh, right now. What are their duties and responsibilities? So according to the dictionary, they define a father as a man in relation to his child or children. Okay, I, I can go with that. That's, pretty, that's a pretty good definition. There were several other definitions I found interesting. For one, that father can be a verb. That threw me for a loop a little bit. I wasn't sure, was I going to get into some weird younger generation thing that I don't understand? Am I on UrbanDictionary.com? No, I'm not. I'm safe. Okay. Um, but to father, as in a verb, to father was defined as of a man caused a pregnancy resulting in the birth of a child. To father. I said, ah, that's a little tricky, but I get it now. But then this definition caught my eye. This is the last one. You had to scroll all the way to the bottom. It said to be the source or originator of. That's it. It almost sounds like an incomplete sentence the first time you read it or, or hear it. Be the source or originator of. And I thought, well, that's God. <laughs> right? God is the source. God is the originator of everything. He is the source. He is the originator of it all. We just sang he, he is worthy of it all. And he genuinely is because he is the originator of it all. Isn't that awesome? In 1 John 3, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Our heavenly Father, God himself, loves you. And calls you his children. He calls you his own. Sinners. Sinners is anybody who has ever made a mistake. Pretty sure that encompasses everybody in the room. And I'm not pointing fingers. I'm first one to raise my hand. Okay? But sin is missing the mark. Everybody's messed up. Everybody's made a mistake. But God still, despite our flaws, calls us to be his children. This is membership into God's spiritual family. Just last week, we had family camp. A few people at family camp. <clears throat> you don't have to be a part of a, or have a family to go to family camp. You come to family camp because we are a family. This church can be your family. If you've moved out here to Idaho Falls from Timbuktu and you don't have any relational family around here, this is your family. This church is your family. And it can be your family. 
We don't have to be related by blood, but we do have a connection through God the Father. And some of you may not think much of this title, Children of God. It's not on your resume. (laughs) You think, so what? There's lots of children in the world. Or maybe, you know, you're thinking, I have lots of children. Big deal. This is a very big deal. Matthew Henry's commentary states, Little does the world know of the happiness of real followers of Christ. Little does the world think that these poor, humble, despised ones are favorites of God and will dwell in heaven. Sometimes those who are not yet believers simply don't understand the joy in affliction, the way Christians suffer and we still have happiness. And yes, I do say not yet believers, not because I don't believe everyone's going to come to Christ. The Bible says people will fall away. That makes me sad. That should make us upset. We don't want to see anyone go to hell, but that is the reality. But I say not yet believers because we should be reaching out to people. We should be sharing the love of God with people. We should be trying to go, you're not a believer? Not yet. Come on. Let's go. They just don't get it. It makes no sense. How can you believe in a God that created everything, the originator, and then be so arrogant, I've been told this to my face, so arrogant as to believe that he loves a tiny speck like you? Because that's who he is. That's who God is. God is a loving God. Yes, he is also just, and he is also righteous, but he is merciful and gracious. The world's perspective of what a father is differs from what the Bible teaches of what a father is. And the world, the world changes, changes its perspective on uh, everything all of the time, so that's not really a credible source to be turning to. Uh, God does not change. God's word, the Bible, does not change. But what's interesting is that the world sometimes takes a little bit from the Bible, uh, takes a little bit from from God and from his word, and then doesn't give him credit. I read an article recently that was titled, Fathering in America, What's a Dad Supposed to Do? I thought, well, being a dad is kind of a global, worldwide thing, but sure, let's talk about what's going on on the home turf. Why not? And... uh, It was interesting. They started talking about the role of a father in childhood development. And they said the role of a father can begin even before your child is born. God the Father knows us before we're born too. wonder where they got that. (laughs) Psalm 139.13 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You created my inmost being and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Sit and think about that for five minutes. (laughs) That's amazing if you think about it. God who created the earth and everything in it, and he created the mountains, and he created the rivers, and he created the oceans, and he created bugs, and he created horses with long faces, and he created the grass. He had a hand in making each and every person in this room. That's amazing. That should be blowing our minds (laughs) all the time. If any guy has ever watched uh, a pregnant woman go through pregnancy, and ladies, Lord bless you, because you know we couldn't do it, it's quite a process. And God, the originator of the entire universe, knit you together 
He entwined you and he, and he interwove. My, my mom likes to sew. Hi, mom, if you're watching. My mom likes to sew. And I've, I, I have no idea how to do it. Don't give me a needle and thread. I, you're out of luck. Call my mom. Uh, <laughs> but I've watched her take a simple needle and just the tiniest little thread, and she weaves it through this fabric in and out, intertwined. And when she's done, there's this amazing blanket whatever she's making, through weaving and intertwining, God worked on you. He loves you that much. It was like, oh, I'm going to put this here, and I'm going to put that there, and let's move, I'm going to move that over there. And then he said it was good. You are good. The next subject that article covered was building trust and strong attachments. And I thought, oh boy. This, this is super important because, unfortunately, in the world today, we have a real problem of dads not being present, not being available to their children. And it's really sad. But they said, and again, this isn't an America issue. This is a global issue, okay? But um, I continued to read, and it said, uh, by showing your child that you are present and reliable, they can begin to form bonds with you that will last into their adulthood. Proverbs 22 says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Yes. It's hard, isn't it, dads, to work? And then maybe you have to come home, and you clean, and you cook, and etc., and you can put slash on your resume. Slash, slash, slash. You got to do it all. It's hard to be present in our kids' lives, but they say that is the most important thing. Just showing up, being present would make a huge difference. I'm like, we got to get back to this because I can be present, but I also will be the first to admit, I don't always know what I'm doing as a dad. Just me. Okay, a few people raise their hands. Thank you. <laughs> it's okay. I don't always know what I'm doing, but I can be present. I can be there. I, I actually just saw a picture a few weeks ago of a, of a young dad, and he's completely passed out in a chair, and he's holding a Nintendo controller, but he's just asleep. And, and there's a kid next to him playing Mario Kart, and there's another kid in the background, and the caption just said that he works so much, comes home, but he still tries to spend time with his kids doing what they want to do. He's present. God wants to be present in each and every one of your lives. I'm going to say that again. God wants to be present in each and every one of your lives. From the self-righteous to the unrighteous, the person who grew up in church, the person who isn't, never set foot in church and is watching online because they're too afraid. God wants to be present in your life. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done or how unworthy you might think that you are. God wants to be present in your life. Isn't that awesome? I mean, in, in, uh, in Hebrews, uh, it says, God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And um, so we can say with confidence that the Lord is our helper and our confidence. The Bible's full of examples, by the way, of people who are worse than you. Two of you were like, where's this going? <laughs> Jesus, God's son, loved them, touched them, and changed them anyway. 
This past week, uh, Kids Day Camp, they did a, uh, yeah, we had family camp last weekend, and then during this last week, we had a, a Kids Day Camp, and they did Colossal Coaster, and they were going through the life of Paul. There's an example of someone who really didn't deserve God's grace. Paul did a lot of bad stuff. A lot. If you haven't read his story, you can go check it out. But Jesus showed up, and the Holy Spirit came and dwelt on him. And he is now in heaven with a God who loves him, despite what he did. Modeling healthy relationships. This was the next thing in the article. And I thought, okay, now, now we're in trouble. I can be present, but <laughs> modeling healthy relationships. Actually, honestly, the first thing I thought was, well, at least, and again, this was not a Christian article, um, but at least they realize that healthy relationships are what you need, not unhealthy relationships. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like this world's going so crazy uh, that maybe people are like, no, it's fine if you have unhealthy relationships. No, it's not. That's not normal. Okay? Healthy relation modeling healthy relationships is good. They said, when a father is active in a child's life, that child grows up with a more positive identity and greater self-esteem. But then they also wrote, conversely, when a father is absent, the opposite effect occurs. Their ability to forge healthy relationships is impacted, and their subconscious beliefs about relationships are influenced in unhealthy ways. Life with Jesus is better than life without him. <laughs> That's what they mean. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 12 and 13 says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. Excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope. Ugh. Without hope and without God in the world. But now, Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen. You were once separate from Christ. Do you remember that? Some of you, uh, maybe you grew up in church, maybe you don't remember that. That's okay, but if you do remember time before Christ, do you remember how horrible it was? But now you have been brought near in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, <laughs> for his mercy and grace. And Jesus said he would be with you always. Everybody say always. He would be with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 28, right, right before the end. He says, I am with you always, always, to the very end of the age. And then the article asked this question, what are a father's responsibilities? That's a broad question. And I can almost guarantee uh, that everyone in here, whether you're a man or a woman, you're young, you're old, you have kids, you don't have kids, you all have an answer to that question. You all have a preconceived notion of what a father's responsibilities are. And some of them might be good, some of them not so good. Someone might have really high expectations. Uh, some of them might be really low or, or no expectations. This article wrote, children are incredibly observant. <laughs> I myself can verify that's a scientific fact. Uh, <laughs> children are incredibly observant, even at a very young age. 
Again, yes. And research shows that they will begin to copy and mimic the actions they see around them. Some of you are a little worried about that. <laughs> Some of you are not. Regardless of your responsibilities, your kids will copy you. They will. So it is your responsibility, whether you like it or not, to act accordingly. Because kids will copy their parents. It's just a fact. I was a youth pastor for a couple years, and I can tell you that just because you have a problem child or not, just because you bring them to church and just because you drop them off with your youth pastor, you, the youth pastor is not going to change them. We have awesome, awesome youth directors, Matt and Julie here. I love them. They're doing an awesome job. But the number one influence in a kid's life has and always has been and probably always will be the parent. Don't put that on the youth pastor. They can't change your kid. We can do our best to influence them and teach them about the Bible. You need help? I don't know the Bible. I want you to te teach my kid the Bible. We can help. But we are not going to change your kid. The parent has always been the number one influence in their kids' lives because kids copy their parents. But this responsibility isn't just limited to what you do or even what you say. It's also how you treat others. They're watching. How you treat your spouse. Your kids are watching. It's like Santa Claus, right? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. It's a little creepy. Uh, thought about nixing that, but it's still a little funny. Uh, <laughs> it's a little creepy. But how, but they are. Your, your kids are watching you uh, when you fight or have an argument, and more importantly, how you fight and how you have an argument. I've been married for several years. My wife and I still get in arguments. Having our kids watch how we argue, uh, they're going to copy that. First John, again, book of First John. First John uh, 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light as he, God, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from all sin. Let's let our kids see us walk in the light with Jesus Moms and dads alike. I know it's Father's Day, but moms, this is for you too. Let's love Jesus so much that our kids copy us. Let them crawl into your lap and read the Bible along with you. Even if you're in Lamentations. I don't care. It's scripture. It's all good. My daughter uh, just finished reading, I think it was the Gospel of John, and, and she was looking for something else, wasn't quite sure what to read next. I, I suggested a few books, and then later she said, I think, I think I'm going to read Deuteronomy next. And I'm like, what? <laughs> when you were a kid, and you went to Sunday school, and your teacher said, you need to pick a book of the Bible and read it, which book did you pick? Jude, the shortest one, yes. Philemon, there we go. One chapter, yeah. 
No, she picks one with like 34 chapters and that most people don't even try because they start in Genesis and they, they give up by Leviticus. She's going to read Deuteronomy. I said, I'm proud of her. Don't, don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, I was just joking about the one chapter books. They're all good, okay? All 66 of them. And if you're Catholic, you've got even more. So, Lord bless you. But, okay, bring it back. <laughs> so we talked about responsibilities of a father um, and let's be real, we, you could write page after page after page of responsibilities to put on a father. But these, uh, uh, this article, they focused on, on getting to know your kids and your kids getting to know you. And I thought, you know what, that, that's a good responsibility um, to, to put importance on. So they wrote, if your child knows they can open up to you about everything in their lives, they will feel more comfortable opening up to you later when they encounter more significant fears and obstacles. Uh, anyone ever heard that there's uh, two kinds of people when they get in trouble? You get in trouble, there's the first person that says, oh man, I'm in so much trouble, my dad's going to kill me. And then there's the people who say, I am in so much trouble, I better call my dad. Now, I realize that not every earthly father is that second one. Some of your dads are that first one. But can I just say that your heavenly father is always that second one? You can always call him. He is available and wants to be present in your life. And he's going to forgive you too. In that uh, skit guys video that we just watched earlier, um, the dads are, are uh, competitive, right? They have their champion. Does anyone want to take on the champion? I don't know. Maybe we should have a dad off. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody's want, nobody wants to take on a champion. I'm not saying it's me, but I could probably go quite a few dad jokes, although I may have just used up my best, but... Uh, <laughs> At the end, they all come together, and they're in this huddle, and they're chanting, dads, dads, dads. Anybody? You want to you do a huddle? No? All right. That's fine. <laughs> Maybe later. Maybe we'll do it out in the parking lot after. But to all the dads in the room, all the dads watching online, we need to be that for one another, don't we? We don't need to get in a huddle and chant. It's fine. Might be fun, but we need to be there for one another and support one another. Being a father isn't always easy. And if you feel you're alone, uh, if you're going through stuff, um, dealing with being a father, maybe you don't feel like you can talk to your spouse, or maybe you don't have a spouse to talk to, um, we're available. There are lots of dads, there's lots of fathers in this church who would stand alongside you. Shoulder to shoulder, because it's tough. No, they are not perfect, <laughs> but there's some of them who have been around the block, and they have seen some things, and there's guidance and there's wisdom. And again, if anyone needs that, we'll have prayer partners after church up here uh, available. I'm available, uh, but I know some people aren't always comfortable talking to a pastor about stuff. You don't even need to give specifics. If you're just a dad who's struggling and you want to come up and you're like, I'm a dad and I'm tired and I, I'm going through some stuff. And I don't want to talk about it, but I just need prayer. We will pray for you. We, you, we don't need to know everything. 
Ultimately, though, we should be taking our fears and our anxiety and our stress to God. Because no matter what you throw at him, he can handle it. There is nothing he can't deal with. There's nothing that surprises him. And uh, in just a few minutes, uh, we have a, a video um, to show of the kids, not yet, <laughs> um, of some of the stuff they did uh, at day camp last week that they want to share. Um, but uh, first, and I realize now that I didn't have uh, get anyone to go tell Hannah that. So uh, Daniel, would you mind running up there and letting her know to, to get ready? I am sorry I didn't plan that ahead. Thank you. <clears throat> Uh, before we watch that um, and the kids are going to come down, there's just a few. These are real stories uh, of dads, ordinary people. These aren't even necessarily Christians uh, that I just wanted to share some of their, their testimonies. This is, this is life. I had to actually edit a few of them because we're not going to say swear words here. But um, just listen to the parallels uh, of what they draw between... Um, their earthly fathers, and our Father in, uh, in heaven. Uh, the first one didn't have an author, but he said, I was home alone with my daughter Aspen, so we built a fort. Not that I wanted to build a fort. I didn't. <laughs> I haven't wanted to build a fort in the living room since I was a little boy. And, now that Aspen, and not that Aspen wanted to build a fort either. She's a preschooler, and this was her first fort. But here's the thing. I was trying to get laundry done, and she wanted a sandwich. Yep, I tried to do the dishes, and she climbed into the dishwasher. I haven't had that one happen. I tried to clean off the table while talking to my mother, and she tried to stick her finger in the dog's butt. This is life, okay? This is real. You know, he's on the phone. Mom, what's going on? Why is the dog barking like that? And Aspen, why is Aspen laughing? And he's like, I'll call you back, okay? I had big plans at the beginning of the day to get this house in shape. And with each attempt, Aspen undermined them. So mid-afternoon, I said to heck with it, and we built a fort. We put a large blanket over the couch and, uh, and the easy chair. We added a dining room chair and a few pillows. We had a front and a back door. Aspen fit comfortably while my legs awkwardly hung out the back end. Yep. <laughs> At first, the fort felt like a failure. But then, as we sat in the thing, we started laughing. And we played puzzles, and I tickled her, and she tickled me. And before I knew it, my wife came to us, giggling in the living room, and the house was still a mess. <laughs> we had an awesome time in that fort. I don't know if Aspen will remember all this, but I know I will. There was a warmth there that will probably stick with me forever. And when I think about it, I realize that sometimes building a fort is more important than, well, everything. A man named Andrew wrote, once, and I, this one got to me because I'd never thought of this and I'm not there yet, but a man named Andrew wrote, someone once said to me, one day we put our kids down and we never picked them up again. And I've never forgotten it. My oldest daughter's five now and I know she, uh, soon she won't want me to carry her anymore. And my youngest is three and I'm making sure I never say no when she wants uppy-doos, even if that's when I'm carrying a bag of groceries or walking the dog. David wrote, he, uh, my father coached every Little League game I played on, imparted his wisdom upon me and my three brothers, taught me about work ethic, and most importantly demonstrated the proper way to treat your fellow man. 
He was my greatest comedic influence. I learned by witnessing his own incredible wit and having him act as a conduit by which I was exposed to some of the funniest minds in history. The impact he's had on my life has been immeasurable. This guy must be a stand-up comic because of what he says. He, uh, my father was my biggest fan, often traveling to one-nighters with me, sitting in the back of the room while I told the same jokes he'd heard a million times, giving me suggestions for new punchlines and telling me he was proud of what I did. He wanted to be there even when he had difficulty getting around in just months to live. He wanted to be there. My father was diagnosed with a terminal disease at the age of 60 and given three years to live. He made it to 68. For the last eight months of his life, he lived with me and my wife and our two daughters, and we instituted an open-door policy so that friends and family could come and spend time with him whenever they wanted. He was in our care along with the help from hospice until he passed away in 2008. And people are always amazed and congratulatory when they hear uh, about how we took him in. But I'm uncomfortable with the adulation. If you knew what the man had done for me and my brothers, the way he touched so many others' lives, making sure the last chapter of his life was as comfortable and happy as possible was the least we could do. In fact, I still feel like I owe him. Molly wrote, I never knew my biological father, but I have a father. He's technically my stepfather, but he's the man who stood by my wobbling two-wheeler bike as I braved bike riding for the first time. My father proposed to my mom and me when he knelt down on one knee and slipped the engagement ring on my mother's finger. My mom and he included me in their honeymoon. Together we explored the rugged terrain and vast beauty of Montana, Wyoming, and Idaho, Ooh, ooh. each summer on our, on our family vacations. He is the man who acted silly and made my friends and me laugh until we nearly peed our pants during slumber parties. He proudly took my arm as we attended my school's father-daughter dance. Standing behind the video camera, he's the man who filmed my goofy basketball games and my awkward ballerina leaps and pirouettes on the court. When I was tearful and confused about boys, my dad always listened and was the voice of reason. He is a man and will always be my father. Then Jared wrote, what does a dad teach his kid? My dad certainly covered the basics. He taught me how to change a tire. He taught me how to check the oil because not knowing when to change it is how they get you. He taught me how to throw a football with a spiral, saying I had a golden arm when I was only seven. I did not have a golden arm, but I needed the confidence. <laughs> But there's more to it than being a walking, idiom-talking instruction manual. We talk all the time about the lengths dads go to, uh, go to for their families, sleepless nights and personal sacrifices, but there's more to it than that. Dads teach us about how a person should be. I remember being a kid and saying things my dad said or copying his mannerisms, and now I catch myself sighing the same way my dad sighs or cracking the same kind of joke. But what about the deep-down person-building behavior? My dad taught me how to invest in my own sense of curiosity and wonder. This wasn't a lesson. It's just how he is, so it's how I am, too. We both make time to, to watch every shuttle launch or go outside to see anytime the moon is weird. My dad taught me to listen more than speak because it makes you wiser. He taught me to care about not cutting corners and doing the right thing. Not because it saved time in the long run, but because that's just the way you do it. 
Not everything sticks. My dad likes watching birds, for example, which, sure, man, you do you. (laughs) But what I took most from dad aren't the things he tried to teach me, but the parts of himself he shared with me. You see God in that? God the Father loves you. He loves when you play. He loves when you build blanket forts. He loves to pick you up and do uppy-doos, whatever those are, I don't know, but I'm sure God loves it because he wants to play with you. He loves to go on trips and travel. He loves to watch you when you take care of people. He loves to watch you do things you love, uh, like basketball or ballet, even if you're looking silly. He loves when you copy him. When you spent so much time with him that you pick up his mannerisms and love without obligation. God also loves when you send your kids to day camp, for example, <laughs> and have a blast playing games and learning about him. 